0: Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order, additional term supply. It's time to talk politics. It's Hardline on WBEN. Now WBEN's David Bellavia. Welcome to Hardline. That was the uh previously that was Alan Harris doing news after doing weather, I should say traffic for uh, every day, and then he comes into the weekend and does uh, news. I I love Alan Harris. He's one of the he's one of the very few people in this building that every time I speak with him, I enjoy speaking with him. And I'm including you, Joe Boomer, oh. when I say that. Thanks, David. No, we've got uh, a great show, but Alan Alan is uh, doing a great job as always. Randy Bushover had the uh, show before this, and after this show, we've got Meet the Press coming up in the eleven o'clock hour is the former host of Hardline. Kevin Hardwick will be joining us. I believe this is the first sit-down interview that Kevin has had since uh, the whole conversion over to the Democratic Party. Yes, yeah, since his, uh, I guess, his awakening to the Democrats. Yeah, and, and I got news for you. I, I, I come at the uh, the Kevin Hardwick uh, situation as a complete outsider. Uh, I want to unpack a, a whole bunch of stuff with him, uh, but again, I'm not really... Uh, I don't have a, a, I would say, a quote-unquote personal relationship with Kevin Hardwick. And honestly, I think some of the things that were said about Kevin Hardwick are a little bit, you know, there's a little bit of hyperbole and emotion involved in a lot of the Hardwick back and forth. Uh, but there are legitimate questions that I would like him to to answer. I do look forward to uh, an, a good conversation uh, with uh, a, a guy who did this show for for years and did it. Far better than I did. Uh, but I, I really uh, I, I really do have uh, a mutual respect for all the folks that come on this show. Look you in the eye, sit down, come in studio. Much, much better than a lot of people who are avoiding this program. Uh, and that's unfortunate. We also have tried to get Kevin Hardwick's opponent on this program, who is a Republican and I believe a Marine. I, I, can't, I don't know what's going on. I can't get this guy on the program. I can't get him to return an email. So... We got Hardwick on, we've offered his opponent, the Republican, to come on the program, but for whatever reason... I can't make that happen. I don't know what what the deal is there. So we'll work that out. We've got two lines on this show uh, because we are in a hyper-partisan world. We have a Republican line. We have a Democratic line. The Democratic line is 644-9875. The Republican line is 803-0930. And you can call into either one of these lines, depending on your political affiliation or persuasion. Joe Beamer joins us, as always. Here's the thing. I want to go over in the first hour. Attorney General William Barr did a sit-down interview with CBS News. If you wanted to take this entire Russia, two years of this Russia investigation, the Mueller report, all this great, let's put it all in one cliff note. If you needed one version of the give me the bottom line up front Why did he write this four-page summary? Why did Mueller not agree that there's not enough here to uh, indict, but at the same time, I'm not going to exonerate him? William Barr gave us inside baseball something I wasn't expecting, something I don't think anyone was expecting. I am telling you right now, whether you're a Democrat or a Republican, you need to take at least forty minutes of your day, of your world, and listen to the podcast, the, the breakdown of the William Barr interview with CBS News. We're going to play uh, some excerpts for it, uh, for you right now. But I want to get down. Da- I, I want to boil this down because William Barr appears to be. I'm not a lawyer. I'm not a legal analyst. He appears to be a grown man in a room with a bunch of emotionally stunted children. And I say this for both sides. There's a lot of folks on the, on the far right that'll just throw bombs and they really have no substance. There's a lot of people on the left that are throwing bombs without substance. But I'm telling you right now, I did not quite understand why there is fear amongst our friends on the left, especially in Washington, D.C., when it comes to this Miller report. After hearing Attorney General Barr I get it. I think you are going to get it too. Here is uh, Attorney General William Barr this week with CBS News. We're going to play some experts. Uh, Joe, please.
1: He said that he couldn't exonerate the president. You looked at that evidence and you did. I mean, what's the fundamental difference between your view and his?
2: Well, uh, I think Bob said that he was not going to engage in the analysis. He was. He was not going to make a determination one way or the other. We analyzed the law and the facts, and uh, a group of us uh, spent a lot of time doing that and determined that, uh, both as a matter of law, many of the instances would not amount to obstruction. uh, As a matter of law? As a matter of law. In other words, we didn't agree with the legal analysis. a lot of the legal analysis in the report, it did not reflect the views of the department. It was the views of a particular lawyer or lawyers.
0: All right, just stop that right uh, there and, for a second. Uh, okay, so the first salvo right off the bat is that now we have the Attorney General of the United States, the Department of Justice, making a statement that a lot of people that you've heard maybe on Fox News, you've heard this on other you know politically uh, affiliated uh, outlets, conservative outlets, but this is the first time we've heard anyone associated outside of the Twitter account of the President of the United States. The Attorney General of the United States has now said that this isn't even the opinion of Robert Mueller. This isn't even the, de- the opinion of uh, anyone in the Justice Department, anyone at the FBI, the current FBI, or any of the intelligence apparatus. We are seeing a flawed, poli- uh, a flawed legal analysis of the uh, of what the end state of the Mueller report is. Now he's going to go on to explain that he had conversations with Robert Mueller all throughout the process, and Robert Mueller doesn't agree with the analysis in this uh, in the report. So where did it come from? Why is it there? And what are the pressures that were being put on Robert Mueller to get to a essentially a non decision? Continue. A lot of the legal analysis
2: in the report, it did not reflect the views of the department. It was the views of a particular lawyer or lawyers. Uh, and uh, so we applied uh, what we thought was the right law.
1: That decision, offered up in a four-page summary, opened the attorney general to criticism. The response was that uh, you were too soft on the president, that actually the special counsel was a little sharper
2: on obstruction. I was just trying to state the bottom line, and the bottom line was that Bob Mueller identified some episodes. He, he did not reach a conclusion. He provided both sides of the issue. And he, his conclusion was he wasn't exonerating the president, but he wasn't finding a crime either.
0: I do not believe it is appropriate for me
2: to speak further about the investigation.
1: While Barr testified before Congress about the special counsel's report, Mueller wants the report to speak for itself and signaled he does not want to testify.
0: Do you think he should?
2: It's up to Bob, but I. Think
1: All right, so so well, I'm going to
0: get you. I, I want to get you the, actually the raw audio. I don't I don't care too much about the uh, editorially the uh, the editorial uh, content of CBS News, but but I, I, there's a, a part to this. We're going to go to a break. When we come back, we'll have this part that I, I want to play for you. This is where Robert uh, William Barr is talking about the Mueller report, and and doing so by by stating that. Uh, one of the reasons why the summary was necessary, why he even wrote a four-page summary, was because before they had a March 5th meeting, they sat down with Robert Mueller through phone calls and meetings with the uh, Mueller team and the special counsel and stated that they needed to know that you give us an, a heads up as to what is the uh, grand jury information, because that has to be redacted. It has to be redacted by law. It's not a matter of we need to see the grand jury. Nobody can see the grand jury information. Not members of Congress. Not members of anyone. This is uh, federal statutes. This is something that is holy and and put up there uh, that the anything that happens in a grand jury must be kept away from the general public, and so that you know we, we're able to accuse people. Uh, we're be able to um, uh, have some sense of a privacy when allegations are made and if those allegations true prove to be untrue that individual who was accused uh, unless he's found guilty or unless he is indicted that person is also protected from frivolous allegations that's the grand jury process in the United States if we're in Venezuela play everything all the allegations and slander and libel who cares but we're in the United States so we knew the Mueller team knew the, the Department of Justice knew that anything that was part of a grand jury, that information, just highlight it so that when we go through the report, we can easily black that stuff out and release it to the American people. Mueller's team doesn't do it. And then on March 5th, when they sit down and they get an idea that this report is coming, he's like, hey, just a reminder. Please, it'll be so much easier if you just give us a heads up as to what is grand jury information and what isn't grand jury information, and I will be able to just black this stuff out and we can send it out to the people within a week. It doesn't happen. So it takes a month to do that. That is the only reason why William Barr felt the need to write a summary, because Mueller's team simply ignored the instructions of the Attorney General of the United States. Mueller's team ignored the Department of Justice. Mueller's team ignored the conversations that Mueller was having with Barr. Now, this is a 30-year relationship. These guys, their wives have Bible study together. They, they consider themselves to be close friends. What are we underlying here? There was something going on in the Mueller team that was essentially you know, leading Mueller down a path that Mueller really didn't feel comfortable going down. Uh, but we're going to get into all of it. We're going to get into the raw interview all this hour at 11 o'clock. We'll have Kevin Hardwick in here. Uh, and uh, it's more Hardline right after this. Hey, welcome back to Hardline. Uh, listen, this uh, William Barr interview is one of the most incredible things I have I've, I've heard. Uh, first of all, it's an attorney general of the United States who... Truly has a fundamental understanding of the law is coming at this and breaks this down. This is an interview for the American people. He's not talking to lawyers uh, in the Justice Department and professors. He's talking to the American people about why this whole thing smells. OK, not making any uh, extrapolations. There's nothing on the back end that says, I believe this is why, uh, you know, uh, this is why Mueller was interested in this topic or this is why the president is, I believe, correct on this side. He's going right down the middle and he's breaking this down. I want to play just the raw interview part so you can actually hear the parts of CBS is obviously editing out because this interview goes on for 48 minutes. Uh, you can see it on any website that it plays the entire interview. Jan Crawford from CBS News interviewing Attorney General Robert, uh, William Barr. Thing that would have stopped him in the regulations or in those that
1: that opinion itself, he could have, re- in your view, he could have reached a conclusion.
2: Right, he could have reached a conclusion. Uh, the opinion says you cannot indict a a president while he's in office, but he could have reached a decision as to whether it was criminal activity, but uh... he had his reasons for not doing it which he explained and i'm not going to you know argue about those reasons uh... but when he didn't make a decision the deputy attorney general rod rosenstein and i felt it was necessary for us uh... as the heads of uh, of the department to reach that decision uh, that's what the department of justice does that's why we have the compulsory powers like a grand jury to force people to give us evidence so that we can determine whether a crime has been committed and in order to legitimate the process we felt we had to reach a decision
0: all right so stop it right there now the next question coming up jan crawford is Mueller seems to have punted to congress okay this is an important part of this entire process jan crawford is saying now william barr right there said yeah Mueller explained to me why he did that I didn't. He could have thrown Robert Mueller under the bus right there and said, yeah, I know the reason why he did that. That's not what William Barr did. He's like, yeah, we know why he explained his reason, but that's not the point. That's not what he's supposed to do. That wasn't his mandate that he could have made a decision. He chose for whatever reason not to. That's on Mueller. This is what I'm going to do. I'm the attorney general. Listen to this next question. Go ahead. Well, I mean,
1: he seemed to suggest yesterday that there was another venue for this, and that was Congress.
2: Well, I'm not sure what he was suggesting, but, you know, the Department of Justice doesn't use our powers of investigating crimes as an adjunct to Congress. Congress is a separate branch of government and they can, you know, uh, they have processes. Uh, we have our processes. Ours are related to the criminal justice process. We're not an extension of Congress's investigative powers.
0: All right, you- so right there, right there is, is the the first KO punch to this entire uh, movement of impeachment and Mueller basically saying, Congress, you can go ahead and run with the ball. That's not the way it works, my friends. We have three branches uh, in our system, right? The the, the uh, judicial, legislative, and executive. The judicial system can do whatever the hell they want to do. If there's a crime there, they go after a crime. If there isn't a crime there, they don't do anything. Congress can impeach whatever they want. They can can do whatever they want through their legislative powers. But somehow to extrapolate that Robert Mueller gave a press conference and said, there's nothing I could do here, folks. It's all on Congress to now do that. That is fundamentally absurd when it comes to his scope As a special counsel, here's more Jane Crawford. You've testified uh, that when you met with
1: Mueller at the Justice Department, you had that meeting, that you were surprised when he told you then that he was not going to reach a conclusion on obstruction.
2: Yes, uh, Rod and I were both surprised by that.
1: Did you ask him, look, we need you to make a, a conclusion on this. You should make a conclusion.
2: I, would, I wouldn't say I really pressed him on it. I was interested in his thinking on it, and he explained his position, said he was still thinking it through, and, and uh, uh, but I didn't really press him, uh, nor did Rod.
1: So, but you left that meeting thinking that he wasn't going to have a conclusion. That's right. Do you feel because he didn't do that, I mean, did he fulfill his responsibility of special counsel. If you look at the regulations, it seems to anticipate that you would get a confidential report uh, explaining why he made a decision to either prosecute or decline to prosecute. Uh, he didn't do that,
2: it seems to me. Right, but on the other hand, he, he did provide us uh, a, a, a report and what he viewed to be the relevant facts and uh, that allowed us as the, uh, as the uh, leaders of the department to make the decision what's
1: the fundamental difference? Why, I mean he said that he couldn't exonerate the president, that he'd looked at the evidence, there are these eleven instances of possible extraction. He couldn't exonerate the president. If he could he would have stated so. You looked at that evidence and you did. I mean what's the fundamental difference between your view and his?
2: Well uh, I think Bob said that he was not going to engage in the analysis. He was he was not going to make a determination one way or the other Uh, and he also said that he could not say that the the president was Clearly did not violate the law Which of course is not the standard we use At the department we okay,
0: do- So, so but right now he's like the president Clearly did not violate the law But that is not a standard anyone uses In the Justice Department William Barr is going through Every one of these speculative uh, Allegations that CNN, MSNBC And everyone's running with Everyone that says that Mueller Has essentially given Pelosi Given the Senate the chance to uh, uh, Throw an impeachment uh, hearing out out there because this president has clearly violated the law, clearly obstructed justice and William Barr is going through each and every one of these points on the summary. Why did you write the summary? He talks about as a matter of law. we didn't agree with the legal analysis but let's look at the Comey firing as it, it uh, as it uh, uh, connects to obstruction of justice. William Barr goes through every one of these points case by case and he literally eviscerates them. And it's one of the most incredibly eye-opening, transparent, I I believe one of the most important interviews you can listen to. It's a 48-minute podcast, uh, CBS News with William Barr. We're going to have more of that. But first, Alan Harris has news and then more Hardline. We're going through the William Barr CBS interview. Welcome back to Hardline. It is Sunday. That means one thing. Well, it means many things, but for my purposes it means one thing. And that's hardline. Okay, so we are talking about Jan Crawford's interview, CBS News, with William Barr, Attorney General. A lot of important stuff that comes into it. But I urge you to actually read the transcript or actually get the entire raw interview. Don't let the don't let the media cut this up for you. You gotta hear these direct questions and the out, just mind blowing transparency of William Barr and uh, to, to see where we where we are right now when it comes to, you know, this th- what you're being fed by both sides, quite frankly. Because there's a lot on the right that is just doesn't jive with, with the reality. People want to deny, you know, the fact that there was Russian intrusion in the 2016 election. That's one of the big, uh, you know, the, 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 the big argument that you will hear a lot from the Hannity's of the world is, well, you know, the Russians really didn't get involved in 2016. Well, let's see for ourselves right here. Here's the question Jan Crawford asks William Barr about 2016 and the Russians getting involved in this election. Go ahead.
1: So the last thing that he said yesterday um, was to remind us that Russia uh, tried to sway our election Um, and he said there were multiple systematic efforts to interfere and that deserves the attention of every American. Um, How's the Justice Department working now to ensure this doesn't happen again in 2020?
2: Yes, well, you know, we, we do have, a I think, a, a increasingly robust program uh, that is focusing on foreign influence in our election process. The FBI obviously has the lead in that, and I've been briefed on it on a regular basis, uh, and I think it's uh, it's a very impressive effort. But we are ramping up. Uh, I talked recently to the, the director of the FBI about uh putting together a special uh, high-level group uh, to, to uh, make sure we're totally prepared for the upcoming elections.
1: And the high-level group would be, who would that include?
2: Well, you know, it would include the FBI, the Department of Justice, DHS, uh, and intelligence
0: agencies. Now here's the question nobody has asked. Nobody has asked. Anyone at the Justice Department about the Russian interference in 2016, Jan Crawford from CBS News, it, no one in Congress outside of the Republican committee members, nobody you know, who listened to four hours of congressional coverage. Here, William Barr states once and for all the million dollar question. Here we go. Do you think enough was done in 2016?
2: I don't uh, Enough was done in 2016? Uh, probably not uh you know i think bob muller did some impressive work uh, in his investigation you know identifying uh some of the russian hackers uh and their uh influence campaign and you sort of wonder if that kind of work had been done starting in 2016 right. things it's could have con- been a lot different
1: it's just hard to understand why it wasn't taken more seriously right why why do you think it was not
2: I have no idea. That's one of the things I'm interested in looking at. Um, you know, uh, as part of the review. Yes. In other words, uh, you know, there are statements being made that people were alarmed back in April, and uh, of 2016. Right. And and I don't uh, have any reason to <laughs> doubt that. But I'm wondering what exactly was the response to it. If they were alarmed, surely the response should have been more than just you know, dangling a confidential informant in front of a peripheral player in the the Trump campaign. Stop right there. Stop right there.
0: right there. Right there. Listen to that statement. Surely if the response, if you knew that there was Russian interference in the 2016 election back in April that necessitated eavesdropping on a political campaign running for president, wouldn't you think the response would be, quote, More than just, you know, dangling a confidential informant in front of a peripheral player in the Trump campaign. Think about that. The Obama administration knows that Russia is targeting an American presidential election. And the only thing they do is put a confidential informant in front of a peripheral player in the Trump campaign. This is the Attorney General of the United States. You want to know why James Comey is going crazy right now? Why, why Why? Clapper, why Brennan, why all of these people are literally running around from, you know, CNN to MSNBC to all over the place? Why are they losing their mind? Because Andy McCabe's story with James Comey's story, it doesn't add up. It doesn't add up. Here is now... Crawford asking Barr about the new investigation going into why they chose to spy on the presidential campaign of Donald Trump.
2: Right. And, and I don't uh, have any reason to doubt that. But I'm wondering what exactly was the response to it if they were alarmed. Surely the response should have been more than just, you know, dangling a confidential informant in front of a peripheral player in the, the Trump campaign.
1: I want to talk to you about the investigation um, because you're that's you're suggesting that was obviously inadequate. But when you talked to uh, Director Ray about appointing this high-level group and efforts to ensure that this doesn't happen again in 2020, um, has he expressed any concern to you that kind of re- the review that you're now going to undertake or this investigation of the investigation that that could hamper uh, these efforts
2: in, uh, 20, in 2020? We've discussed how important it is that that not be allowed to happen and we're both very cognizant of that. You've and,
1: discussed that with him.
2: Oh yes and you know I think he's being very supportive and we're working together on, on you know trying to reconstruct what happened. I mean, People have to understand you know one of the things here is that these efforts in 2016 these encounter intelligence activities that were directed at the Trump campaign were not done in the normal course and not through the normal procedures as far as I can tell. And uh, a lot of the people who were involved are no longer there. So, uh,
0: OK, so, so why, why we, is that? Talk- w- let me just stop that right there. Why is that important? They're no longer there. What Michael Horowitz is doing as inspector general, he can only talk to people that are currently a part of the Justice Department. He can only interview people that are currently in the FBI. So William Barr, attorney general of the United States, just said these counterintelligence activities that were directed at the Trump campaign were not done in the normal course and not through normal procedures. And a lot of those people involved are no longer there. Horowitz can only look at what is currently there. So that is why another, that's why you have a U.S. attorney out of Connecticut that is going into this thing and ripping apart. He has subpoena power. He has the power to compel people to testify. Michael Horowitz does not, and Horowitz can only, as Inspector General, work on current employees of the Department of Justice. That's why this is so damning. Let's keep going. So, uh,
1: so when, when we're talking about the... Um kind of the well you've used the word spying Mm -hmm. you've testified that you believe spying occurred into the trump campaign yes Um, you've gotten some criticism for using that
2: word yeah i mean i guess it's become a dirty word somehow it hasn't never been for me i think there's nothing wrong with spying the question is always whether it's authorized by law uh, and properly predicated and uh, if it is then it's an important tool the united states has to protect the country
1: the, on using the word, I mean, do you understand, and I know that some of the I know, some former intelligence chiefs have said the president has made that word somewhat pejorative, uh, that they're spying, that this is a witch hunt, this is a hoax. And so your use of that word makes it seem that you're uh, being a loyalist.
2: Uh, you know, it's part of the craziness of the modern day that if a president uses a word, then all of a sudden it becomes off bounds. It's a perfectly good English word. I'll continue to use it.
1: <laughs> You're saying that spying occurred. There's not anything necessarily wrong with that as long as there's a reason for it.
2: I, I, whether it's adequately predicated. And look, I, I think if we, if we, why are we worried about foreign influence in a campaign? We should be because uh, the heart of our system is the peaceful transfer of power through elections and and what gives the government legitimacy is that process. And if foreign elements can come in and affect it, that's, Bad for the republic, and it. Uh, but by the same token, it's just as, as just as dangerous to the, uh, you know, continuation of self-government in our republican system. But republic uh, that we not allow government power, law enforcement, or intelligence power to play a role in politics, to intrude into politics, and to affect elections. So, so it's
1: just as dangerous. So when we talk about uh, foreign interference. Versus, a, say, a, a government abuse of power mm-hmm. in the U.S., which is more troubling?
2: Well, they're both they're both troubling. Um, Equally. In, in my mind, they are sure. I mean, republics have fallen because of Praetorian Guard mentality, where government officials uh, get very arrogant. They identify uh, the national interest with their own political preferences, and they feel that anyone. Who uh, you know has a different opinion, uh, you know, is somehow uh, an enemy of the state, and uh, you know there is that tendency that they know better, uh, and uh, you know that they're there to protect as guardians uh, of the people. That can easily translate into essentially uh, supervening the will of the majority and getting your own way.
0: Do you hear that? Do you hear that? This, William Barr has just absolutely sent a shot over the bow of every single member of that cabal. And and done so in a way that is, this quote right here. They identify national interests with their own political preferences. And they feel that anyone who has a different uh, opinion is somehow an enemy of the state. And, you know, that's a tendency that they know better and that, you know, they're there to protect as guardians of the people. They can easily translate into essentially uh, supervening the will of the majority and getting their own way Uh, As a government official. This is exactly what is at the core of why is government is foreign government interference important in our elections? Absolutely. Is the government surveilling and spying on campaigns and putting their own people that think they know better than you? in to look after what should be said, who's uh, doing what, uh, uh, what plan a campaign has in real time, that's going through the CIA and the NSA and and the Department of National Intelligence. You don't think that that is equally as threatening to the republic? I mean, this is absolutely, this is a bomb. This is godsmacking. The Attorney General of the United States is saying that the the Inspector General can only look at current members of the Department of Justice. And yeah, we're very concerned about Russia in 2016. Moreover, what the hell was Obama doing? You found out that Russia was involved in our uh, election and you sent someone to talk to George Papadopoulos? Why wasn't Congress involved at that point? And by the way, if, if this is something that allegedly occurred, why aren't more Democrats and Republicans concerned about government overreach into our election? If you're upset about Russia, you need to be upset about Clapper, Brennan, Comey, McCabe, and all the other folks like Peter Strzok and Lisa Page that felt that they were guardians of the people that took it upon themselves to start essentially staging a coup. Donald Trump is so unstable and so evil that we have to take him out. That is as dangerous as the Russians getting involved in the 2016 election. This is incredible stuff. I urge you to go to CBS, uh, wherever you find it, and, and listen to the entire William Barr interview. It's 48 minutes. I'm going to play some more highlights after this break. It's It's Hardline. All right, in the uh, limited uh, time we have left, I want to get more to this. Uh, let's go to that 4242 42 moment in the uh, interview. William Barr talking to Jan Crawford, CBS. Listen to this. Yeah. And so you won't, will you declassify
1: things without reviewing it with them? It seems like you have the authority to do that.
2: Well, in, in an exceptional circumstance, I have that authority. But obviously, uh, I intend to consult with them. You know, I. I'm amused by these people who make a living by disclosing (laughs) classified information, including the names of intelligence operatives, wringing their hands about whether I'm going to be responsible in protecting intelligence sources and methods. I've been in, in the business, as I said, for over 50 years, well, before they were born, and I know how to handle classified information, and I believe strongly in protecting intelligence sources and methods, but at the same time, If there is information that can be shared with the American people, without jeopardizing intelligence sources. All right, so that, so I, I just
0: want to, okay, so go to that next part that I was telling you about. He's basically saying, I'm amused by people who make a living disclosing classified information, including the names of all these leaks that have happened all over the place. William Barr has been at the CIA during the 70s. He spent 50 years talking about classified information, never once accused of a leak himself. And yet all the people that are upset about, does William Barr, is he an honest broker? Is he going to know what to do? With all this stuff, William Barr wrote the regulation on this stuff. This is, just, but listen to what he says about the media here. This is incredible.
1: I know you've seen some of the criticism and the pushback on on this. Are, do you have any concerns that doing this investigation, talking about declassifying certain materials, that that's undermining your credibility, the credibility of the department?
2: No, I, I don't. I think it's. Actually, the reaction is somewhat strange. I mean, normally strange. Their well, reaction. Well, the media reaction is strange. Normally, the media would be interested in letting the sun shine in and finding out what the truth is, and usually the media doesn't care that much about protecting intelligence sources <laughs> and methods. But I do, and I will.
0: I mean, that is All just right. li- listen. To, I mean, that is just absolutely in. in I I'm, I really have truly am, am uh, amazed. This is one of the most. If you want to get to the bottom of all the nonsense, take off your political partisan hats and look at this thing. Acknowledge that Russia got involved in our 2016 election. And also, if you're outraged about that, you should be equally outraged that the CIA, the FBI, the director of national intelligence, two individuals who obviously had uh, he goes in to talk if Lisa if Peter Strzok and, and Lisa Page before the 2008 election we're talking about Barack Obama being a Muslim and how he needed to be taken out because he could be uh, Barack, his middle name, could mean that he's a Muslim and we have to stop Obama from being president because he's Muslim. How the media would have reacted to that and then he goes into saying this is a strange media reaction because normally the media would be interested in letting sunshine and finding out what truth is. The media doesn't seem to care about protecting the Intelligence sources when it's the Pentagon Papers. The media doesn't care about protecting intelligence sources when it's Bradley Manning, Chelsea Manning, or it's WikiLeaks. The media has no problem in getting to the bottom of the nexus of the Iraq war and what intelligence we had and and, and NSA's secret tools that they put all over CNN and MSNBC. But when it comes to finding out what our intelligence uh, apparatuses were doing during the 2016 election, all of a sudden, hey, we got to protect sources. We have to protect. Meanwhile, the Democratic Party is trying to get into grand jury information, redacted grand jury information that's in the Mueller report. But now we don't trust William Barr, who spent 50 years of the intelligence, never once accused of a leak. We're now saying that William Barr, the Democratic Party, William Barr is not responsible enough to protect sources. The absurdity, the hyperbole, the duplicity here is absolutely outrageous. I urge you once again to check out that entire 48-minute interview on CBS. William Barr absolutely brought out a howitzer and fired it directly into the encampment of all Team Mueller, all the folks that want to go after—we believe Russia was involved— but our intelligence apparatus, we're doing completely the, the, uh, the right thing. Hey, after this, we're going to have news. And then we're going to have Kevin Hardwick in studio uh, talking about his upcoming race and uh, the world since Hardline right after this. All-star closer, Kenley Jansen, we have a question. What's the best podcast of all time?